have other women, friends, family who maybe they are single, but you can still find the space and the time within your box to execute on healing, like to make that a priority, to yes. make that a journey. It may not look like like my journey, whereas I also homeschool my kids, so that's different, right? I'm at home, mm -hmm. I'm schooling kids, and I'm working on my own healing. That's my life, and I'm telling you now, that's a hard job. <laughs> I don't, I promise you, I believe it. Moms who do self-care, Sometimes if I say I don't have time and I see a mom who does self-care, I'm like, you're doing too much. Like, if there's a mom out there doing self-care, you can do self-care. Before we get into this episode, I know you've been struggling with the idea of starting your own business and launching a premium product that you know is gonna transform lives. So I have a bomb resource for you. The man himself, Words Taylor, is going to help you launch your product or service for the clients who need your help right now. Now you can't call yourself a business owner unless you are getting in front of new clients every single day, and Words knows exactly how to do that. All you have to do is tap in so he can teach you his six-figure launch strategy that's produced over $5 million in client sales. So all you have to do is go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com. That's HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and get into the free training. It's happening this week. So go to HighTicketLaunchSecrets.com and let's get into the episode. Welcome to another episode of the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, and I have one half of the Dream Builder Nation here to join me. Yes. Miss Melody Taylor, how are you today? I'm well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for being here. Yes, I'm excited. I am excited. Too. So part of like my excitement comes from your personal professional journey and then part of my excitement comes from you being one half of the Dream Builder Nation, of course. Um, and so on the Work and Play podcast, we talk about life transitions, self-actualization, career transitions, all of that and whatever that means in, in your life. So without further ado, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes. So um, thank you, Ariel, for having me here. I am Melody Taylor, uh, one half of Dream Builder Nation or Dream Builder International with my husband, Words Taylor. And uh, yeah, we have three beautiful kids coming from Des Moines, Iowa. I need y'all to know black people are there. Like we're there. I know. Really? We are. <laughs> that is definitely a question. We are. So I get excited to say like Des Moines, Iowa, actually born and raised. Um, but yeah, that. I mean, that's me. I'm, like I um, kind of said, I, social work background, love people, love healing, love wholeness. So I love all of that. Now, well, before we got started, you said I am a different kind of entrepreneur. I am. I'm a different kind of entrepreneur. So for those who are familiar with my husband, I would say, I mean, he's even a different kind of entrepreneur. But when I think of entrepreneurship and I think of the, the hustle, the grind, the drive, um, just being focused on whatever that purpose or that goal is. And typically it's like, let me help as many people, which that's my goal too. But um, it's always focused on the next move mm. is what I feel like. I am that type of entrepreneur. However, my next move is all focused on healing and wholeness. So I drive my husband bananas because like I have a blog that I started, um, Life with Melody. And so I have a... Um, a blog, lifewithmelody.com, over 200 and some blogs, have not released any. They are coming. <laughs> over 200 and something written, though. But then it's like, well, why have you not released? Well, because, as I said, I'm all focused on wholeness, health, and healing. Okay. My focus isn't on um, financial gain. Okay. It's not. Mm -hmm. um, I know that, like, my journey of healing, my journey of whole wholeness, will be something that will help other women and mm -hmm. other children. Mm -hmm. And so I'm focused on doing that and doing it right. 
Yeah. And it drives my husband nuts. He's like, okay, so you got 200 blogs done. Let's go ahead and we're going to release. We're going to launch in January. And I said, okay, we can launch in January. And then in December, I'm like, mm, God is telling me. <laughs> this is last December then. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's even getting me like the heebie-jeebies because yes. I'm like, that's a whole year's worth of content or yes. a season. And I mean, I've still been writing. It's, it's, I, I just, I have to move according to what I feel is God's plan for me. Yeah. And, and because I'm like, my, my husband is very motivational. He's very like, come on, let's go. Let's get it. Yeah. Kind of, we talk like, get it by your bootstrap. Yes. And that works. That's cool. But I will literally look at him and say, yeah, you're not going to motivate me out of this season. Like this right here, this part of the healing, the hard work that I'm doing today is necessary for what is to come. And I can't, you know, push and, and, push the baby out before it's ready yeah that actually speaks to me immediately because um there's a saying i want to say einstein says if i have a problem i'd rather to and i have an hour to, to solve it i'd take 55 minutes to to learn whatever the problem is as much as i can and five minutes to solve it yep and i've been such in a season where i want to push and execute and push things out and launch I mean, we're talking about the Dream Builder Nation, so mm -hmm. we're launched. And it's like, <laughs> I gotta just go. But yes. you're really speaking to a part of me that's like, it's more about the healing. Mm -hmm. It's more about the transformations that we do. Um, and so now I understand what you mean by another type of entrepreneur. Yes. So then in your, in your own opinion, because I think that's actually great, um, a, a little bit of like privilege comes up. Like, okay, so I want to do that so much. But then sometimes I'm... I get partners in mind who are like, well, you ain't making no money. Mm -hmm. Or the coach is like, you ain't making no money. So I get, I feel like I'm forced, but I feel like the ordained journey yes. is saying, hold up. So what gives you like the freedom to just be like, okay. So I, I definitely am privileged. I will say that. And I'm, it's this year that I'm realizing the privilege that God has given me. Mm. I think that we all have. An, an aspect of privilege though and so I don't want it to come across as though because she's married because she has a husband who is an entrepreneur she can take her hands off the wheel that's not at all however that is like if that makes sense um, God gave me the space and my husband the space and time to figure it out yeah and not the pressure of it I put pressure on myself because like you I'm like you said the coach is like, well, you ain't making no money. I was telling myself, well, you ain't making no money. You, I don't feel right. My mm -hmm. husband is like, no, I just work on healing. Just work on, because he knows what the outcome's going to be, right? Yes. He has great foresight. I maybe couldn't have seen that. I'm like, no, I just need to get up and get a job. <laughs> like, I can't do this. And I threw myself into some jobs that were not fruitful um, until finally I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to just figure it out. I'm going to just dive headfirst into this healing journey. Yeah. So that's the privilege that I have. But I do know that I have other women, friends, family who maybe they are single, but you can still find the space and the time within your box to execute on healing like to make that a priority to yes. make that a journey it may not look like like my journey whereas i also homeschool my kids so that's different right i'm at home mm -hmm. i'm schooling kids and i'm working on my own healing that's my life and i'm telling you now that's a hard job <laughs> i don't i promise you i believe that moms who do self-care 
sometimes if I say I don't have time and I see a mom who does self care, I'm like, you're doing too much. Like, if there's a mom out there doing self care, you can do self care. Listen, oh, yeah. listen, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a really hard job, but it's about being intentional. Mm-hmm. Like, it's because I realize and I understand that. If I am not healthy, if I am not whole, then my family is not going to work. Yeah. My husband, my children, they're not going to be happy. Like, I run through the house and I'm like, if it's not a happy mom, it's not a happy family. And my husband is always like, I don't like that. I said, but is it is it accurate? That's a fact. <laughs> That's a fact. Even I'm sunshine right now. We're all the sunshine. We're We hug. We're together all the time. Well, I'm like, look, I need space. I need time. Y'all better move around. Everybody's walking on eggshells. And That's so, a fact. Everybody has that space, even if it's just five minutes. Like, yeah. You just have to be intentional about it. You yeah. have to find it and make you a priority. And I think that's what this journey has been is me figuring out how to make me and my healing a priority because it's honestly something that helps everybody. Yes, I'm, I'm with it, even <laughs> if it's like my business partners. So when it comes to your blog, is, is this some of the stuff that you talk about, like motherhood? What's the topic? It is. So it's um, I call myself a transformational coach, and I help women and children heal from childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And so coming from trauma myself, um, it started as, I've always been a writer, um, and it really just started as an outlet for me to start my own healing, start my own journey. Um, I, gosh, I can't even think, I started the blog a long time ago. However, I got serious in it again um, when my father in 2018 was diagnosed um, to, he had kidney failure, so he was getting ready to pass. And I was just like, what? And so that's when I kind of dived, I dove right in head first and just started writing again, just as a release. Um, From that, the ups and downs that from 2019 to 2021, you know, just with the pandemic, with all this stuff that has happened, it it was a true outlet. Like it was a space. And so I... um, I write everything is literally life with Melody is life with me, right? Mm and it's from a trauma lens. So it's, you know, healing um, from the lens of trauma, parenting from the lens of trauma, mm-hmm. being married, being an entrepreneur from the lens of trauma, like all focusing on normalizing what that healing process looks like, understanding it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Everybody's journey is different. And right where you are is normal. And it's perfect. I think that there were so many times on this journey that I felt like I wasn't normal. Like I felt like, why can't I just get it together? It's like, girl, you don't know. There are so many women out there, so many men out there saying, why can't I just get it together? You got it together. It's just, you need to stop beating yourself down in that process because there's a lot of healing and hurt that's going on in this subconscious story that you're being told that ain't true no more. Like, you got to move it around. Why do we hold on to it? I hold on to it sometimes. I, I, I beat myself up so much and it does it takes someone to call me about that problem. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just processed that yesterday. Mm-hmm. I guess I am healing. There is I mean, I think that whether we know it or not, your subconscious is giving you an ongoing movie. Mm-hmm. It's an ongoing story. A story that started from back when you was a child, mm-hmm. based on your environment, your interactions, your experience, right? And so now, fast forward to 39 years old, I think I got it together and I'm good, but I still have these negative stories in the back of my head telling me that, you know, life is just too much. You can't do this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not qualified for that. You're not, you shouldn't be secure in that. You know, you don't know nothing. You know, just little things like that. You don't even recognize that those things are even playing in your head until you find yourself in a situation where now you're doubting yourself. Yes. And you don't understand where the doubt came from. You think it just has to be, it has to be, maybe it's God-given. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe this is fundamentally just me. 
I just can't do it. I just can't get right. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, you told yourself that. And mm-hmm. you, it's based on the lies that someone else told you. Um, one of the negative core beliefs that really just popped out in recent times, and I was talking to my husband, I looked in the mirror and I said, now, I am on a health physical health journey as well. So it's like physical, spiritual, emotional um, healing, but mm-hmm. physical as well. Um, within the last year of the pandemic, I lost like 65 pounds, right? Oh, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But I did gain like 20 pounds back, right? Just this last year. Was that a net for 45? Listen, listen. <laughs> now, the other day, just in real random, I was walking past the mirror and I said, whew, I'm fat. And I said, I'm tired of being fat. I just said it. I, no one was talking to me. Mm-hmm. None of that. I fast forward about 30 minutes and I'm reading a book about how to do the work on healing. And um, I come across this, this part talking about just what is your subconscious telling you? And what are the, if you pay attention to just the random comments that you make about yourself and the things you do, you can hear what the subconscious conversation is. Yeah. I looked and I said, on it, I immediately went to, you know, being a child and there being so much emphasis put on my appearance and my weight mm-hmm. and always feeling like you don't want to be fat. You can't be fat. And I've never gotten out of that. Mm-hmm. I've never gotten out of that idea that I'm fat. It didn't matter. When I met my husband, I was the lowest that I've ever been, right? It didn't matter. I, was, I thought I was fat then. I look back at them pictures now and I'm like, well, shoot, I need to get back to that fat then. <laughs> You know, but it's all about inside, like what's happening. And so as you start to, the best way to to change that so you don't keep falling back into that is just to recognize it. Mm -hmm. So when you recognize it, okay, that was a season, that's a thought, and we're going to move on because that's not my reality. Like, when you say that's a thought, that brings me to like the difference between like our thoughts and our emotions Mm -hmm. and how we, if we just act on our emotions, we can do some really horrible things to ourselves. Yes. So when you think about like now that you're at an place where you're like, that's a thought and you can recognize it. Can you think back to a time where you were letting your emotions lead the way? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know if we got enough time. It's my whole 20s. So. Girl, I was reckless. I think that um, in my youth, from my trauma, I had so much anger. I The only emotions that I consistently expressed were fear and anger. Mm. Um, I, I, it was very hard for me to love. It was very hard for me to connect, period. Um, but if you made me mad, you were going to know. And a fire would come over me, right? After, after the fact, you look at it and you think, oh, maybe you did overreact just a little bit. Maybe you could have pulled back just a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, and so people who, it's funny because people who knew me, you know, before I would say that I've changed, because I know I changed. I'm a completely different person than who I used to be. Um, they expect that fire. And so when they meet me now, because we moved back to my hometown after college, they meet me now and they're like, mm, and I'm like, really, I'm not like that no more. Mm, <laughs> That's really not over. me. They have to learn me all over again. But then there is also an interesting group of people who were with us during the college years. So they seen me when I had the fire, and then they seen me when God changed my life. <laughs> and they're like, oh, this is hilarious. Like when you look at who I am, like you can know that God is real. Yeah. 
only because he's the only one who could quench the fire that was within and make me get to the point to where I can learn to experience the full, I guess, um, vault of emotions that we have, yes. right? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. I'm still learning. I think that's, that's the beauty part is that you're always learning and loving and growing. And so I'm still trying to figure it all out, but now I can move a little bit beyond anger. And it actually takes a long time to get me angry now. Like I'm sitting like, mm, no, no. You're not gonna do this. <laughs> Actually, I resonate with that too. It's like you said, a fiery uh, the fire takes over. I call mine the Hulk. Uh huh. Because you know, you look back and you're like, dang, my clothes don't fit no more. I just went bananas. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't me. But I was. I have a thing about um, writing. Mm -hmm. When you say you're really good at writing, you've always been a good mm -hmm. writer. I don't think there was. I don't think I've ever owned that. That's not. Something. I'm really good verbally. Mm -hmm. But a part of the healing process, I'm really curious of what that looks like. And the reason is because I can be super logical. Mm -hmm. I, in my notes, I started just note like um, writing charts, for mm -hmm. example, right? Mm -hmm. Literally like an x-axis and a y-axis. I'm like, okay, so if it's love and it's sadness, like how do you feel about this? And I'll put a little dot uh -huh. And then I got to writing, okay, I would title my writing, I would bullet point, super logical, but uh -huh. I, I really want to get to a place where I let my emotions flow. Yes. So how did you like one, figure out that you were good at writing and then what has that healing journey been like from, I'm assuming you started as a child. So I know that you'll agree, enjoying myself while I work is the vibe that I'm trying to be on. So I wanna invite you guys to Sidebar ATL here in Atlanta, Georgia. Sidebar on top of the good food and live music, they have three different experiences. That means you can join me in the garden room in the gold room if you wanna try the top of the line hookah. And they also have the dungeon where I hear what happens in the dungeon stays in the dungeon. So it's the perfect mix. If you're here on business or you wanna blow off some steam after work, you can meet me at Sidebar ATL so that you can have a little bit of dinner and then turn up afterwards if that's your jam. So check us out, 79 Poplar Street here in downtown Atlanta, or you can call 678-800-0741. Let's get it, work and play at the same time. Right? <laughs> I did. I was in middle school and um, I was a very angry girl and I lived with my father and my stepmother. Um, I, me and my stepmother would fight all the time and one day um, she came, her and my dad came to my room and was like, look, we bought this for you. And it was a journal and I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just took it and I opened it and I just wrote in there all the stuff I was mad about. Just like... I'm, I'm mad at life. I'm mad about this. I'm mad about that. I'm mad that my mom's not here. I'm mad, I'm mad about everything, right? And it became an outlet mm. because I was telling that journal things that I felt like I couldn't tell anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, of course, over the years it progressed, but that's how it started. And I even recall taking it to an academic, you know, level as well. I recall being in school and enjoying. I would write papers like. You know, and they'd be fast, and I would write long stories and turn them in. And I'm like, you didn't even read that the way it was supposed <laughs> to be. <laughs> you know, I, I always enjoyed, like, it was just, it, for me, I grew up in a home um, where I, I spent the first 11 years of my life with my mom and the last seven with my father and um, his wife and the first 11 with my mom and her husband. And in between those two homes, I grew up in a space with, physical abuse, sexual abuse, domestic violence, alcoholism, drug addiction, like this was my constant reality. Mm -hmm. So I needed a space in a way to escape. 
that's what the writing did for me. That mm-hmm. and reading. Mm-hmm. So I would literally read books. And what I learned now today is called disassociation, where you're there, but you're not there. You know, mm-hmm. and we all see people go through it, right? We're having a conversation. We're like, where'd you just go? Like, you weren't here. That's yes. what I did throughout my youth. So I would read books and I would be in those stories. I also think that that helped to cultivate my writing because that made my imagination like just go crazy because I was always trying to get out of my my space that I was currently in. But so that's how um, I got into writing. But what I would say for you with getting into the journey, I think for me, the thing that made it the greatest because prior to this new phase of journaling that I'm in or writing that I'm in, um, I felt like only time I would journal is if something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't journaling. The sun is out and the the birds are chirping and the yeah, you're on the Mary J. You know, her first album was my favorite. Yes, and that's really what I was on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I wrote about. Mm-hmm. Be it a poem, be it a song, be it a whatever, a journal. It was all about anger mm-hmm. and hostility and fear <clears> and all of that, right? But I was introduced to something called brain dumping. Mm-hmm. And so have you ever heard of that before? Yes, absolutely. Okay. There are different types of brain dumps that you can do. Okay. But this one in particular, um, they told me just set a timer. And to start out, it was like five minutes. Set a timer for five minutes and write down everything that comes to your mind. Okay. And I did it. I was like, this is about to be the dumbest thing ever. And that was the first sentence that I wrote. <laughs> about to be the dumbest thing ever. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. I literally wrote everything that came to my mind. By the end of that, I wrote for 15 minutes, not five. By the end of that, I had this newfound um, revelation and understanding of why I have an issue with abandonment. Really? How did I go from this is about to be (laughs) the dumbest thing ever to abandonment? That is what our mind, like we have hundreds and thousands of thoughts that are running through our minds all day long. Just get them out. Just say whatever. Don't put yourself in your box. Just write. Yeah. Just write until you can't write no more. Mm-hmm. And so once I'd seen, I literally, like, I can't even remember the transition of it. I just remember going from this is the dumbest thing ever to remembering the first time that I got my first whooping from my dad. <laughs> Simple. I was six. First time I got my first whooping by my dad and the betrayal that I felt and the anger that I felt. I was a six-year-old kid. Like, there was a whole other dynamic that was happening as to why I felt that betrayal. Mm -hmm. I get it. I did what I wasn't supposed to do. I went to the park and he told me not to. I get that. Oh, you you (laughs) owning up to stuff. You know what I'm saying? I get that. Mm -hmm. Right? So Mm -hmm. he was being a good parent by looking after me and then he, Mm -hmm. he he didn't want me hard, but I was angry about my reality. Mm-hmm. I was angry about everything else that happened and the fact that I didn't have a relationship with him and I didn't see him. And the one time that I seen you, you hit me. The one time I see you, the very first time that I remember seeing you, you whooped me. For me, and I'm in the midst of a domestically violent uh, relationship with my mom and my stepfather. So I'm seeing this every day. So then this, you're supposed to be my safe space. Yeah. And the one time, the very first time I remember seeing you, you hit me. Yeah. For me... That was the ultimate betrayal. And that created this negative dynamic with men. It created this this dynamic within myself of, you know, just not trusting my own abilities, my own decision making. It was it was a lot. Right. All of that in a 15 minute journal session. That's crazy. And I was like, okay, this is it. Like, this is what this is what I'm doing. So literally um, I brain dump 
probably, I mean, I make myself now, I have a goal just to journal every day. So now I do some writing prompts, but I try to brain dump at least once a week. Like, let me just get it out because you can find some things that are internally going that you have no idea that they're there or, you know, why they're there. Mm. So it'll help you figure it all out. So after you did the first journal exercise, deep, deep stuff came out and abandonment issues came out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious about what you did with that information, but I'm also curious now that you do brain dumping on a regular basis, mm -hmm. do like really, really deep things come out still? Or is it like, oh, I was mad the other day and that's why I was mad. How does that evolve? It's a combination of both. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, <clears throat> well, first of all, I'm a huge proponent for therapy. So um, I tell that to, you know, be it no matter which job I've had, which realm I've been in now being a coach, I always talk. Nobody is going to replace the therapist. The therapist is amazing. Even when you have your best friend and your mama, your auntie or whoever you can talk to, because for me, the therapist was always that unbiased party who does not know me, who will listen to me yeah. and who helps me. I'm um. I have to process out loud. So she helps me process everything that is on my plate, right? Yeah. And just helps me make sense of it all. My husband does the same thing. He can help me, but he's invested, right? Yes. He's connected. So when I'm going to him and I'm like, dude, you not doing the dishes, <laughs> triggered X, Y, Z. He's not going to respond the same way that the therapist would. Right. <laughs> I understand your children. Let me go and do the dishes. Right? <laughs> no. The therapist going, mm, well, why did that trigger you? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. we're going to talk through it. And then I find out, oh, it was this, this, this. So that's the first thing, if anything. Okay. Always therapy. Okay. Always therapy. Um, but in addition to that, with the, the, the mind dumping or the brain dumping, yes, they sometimes I get deep revelation and sometimes it's like, yeah, this is pretty dumb. I'm only doing like a paragraph today. <laughs> like, I, I, don't know, I just wanted to do it. You wanted to do it to kind of clear out the stuff, but nothing exactly. there. Like I said, I'm going to okay. do it. But I think that we are always in a continuous state of healing, mm -hmm. even if, and it doesn't, this is another thing that I'm learning in this season is that you don't have to have the same like traumatic background that I had or something that was major, oh, abuse, physical. Everybody has their story, right? A lot of people do, but you don't have to. Yeah. There are um, a book of a woman that I'm reading right now. She said, I had a perfect upbringing, so I don't understand like why I'm having depression and anxiety and all these things. But she later found out that she actually did have trauma. Yeah. It just was emotional trauma. It was different. Yeah. And so no one can validate your trauma for you. No one can tell you that or invalidate it. Right. Exactly. Like your experience is your experience. Mm -hmm. Your life is your life. Mm -hmm. And so even in doing like my brain dumping in this continual space of healing, sometimes I will find new stuff. But sometimes it's just bringing recognition to the things that I already knew were there that I'm working on. Okay. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I, I just the issues that I have with relationships and different things like that. Like I just get different revelations, um, you know, just from be it books I'm reading, be it therapy sessions, be it journaling, like mm -hmm. even talking to my husband, I'll say, Oh shoot. Like when I had that idea of, I walked past the mirror and said, I'm fat. That triggered me to then have a conversation with my husband. And I said to my husband, because you know, we both 
um, battle with weight. Um, he's down about, I think, 65 pounds now, too. So, yes, yeah. winning team over there. Yeah. Um, but we don't want our children to experience that same lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. So, we're very intentional on trying to give them like healthy alternatives and all that kind of stuff. But kids are kids. And I'm also not one who's willing to deprive my children out of fear. And I just don't want to. So, every year um, for their birthday, their breakfast is a donut. <laughs> they get a donut. Oh my <laughs> they get a donut and then they'll get like some type of protein, something like that. But I told my husband, I said, we cannot put such an emphasis on what they eat. Mm -hmm. Because just from what I recall, mm -hmm. right, from my upbringing, mm -hmm. that created these, these imprints within me mm -hmm. that are constantly making me, you know, check myself today. Yeah. And wonder, um, you're not hungry. Did you, you know, you ate, you're fat. You eat too much. Mm -hmm. All of that. And so I just told him, and that was just from regular conversation. Like, we can't do that. And so that was from, you know, a brain dump situation of, ready, oh, I think I'm fat. And that triggered con continued healing, right? That triggered continued growth. Continued growth. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. So when you think about that first time, the first time you found, the first time you found something come up, did you like, was that the first time you ever went to a therapist or did you? It was not, girl. So I, um, I don't know. I can't even recall that there was a first time. Mm. <laughs> it's just, just always been a way. I'm going to say, just coming from my background, um, mm. I was always, I, I was always dealing. I was always in a traumatic state. Um, but my freshman year of college, I was watching an Oprah Winfrey <laughs> show, which is funny because I don't like Oprah. Oprah, <laughs> Oprah, this might have to do with my trauma though. So I really do like you. Like, <laughs> should be poking? Should be poking? I was watching an episode. I was so angry at her. I don't even know why I was watching her show. But on her show, something happened that triggered for me the sexual abuse that I had endured. Okay. So from that, I'm a freshman in college. Mm -hmm. I call my uh, mentor because my church at that time, like once you turned 18, they connected you with an adult in the church and you had a mentor. Um, and I, she and I would write letters and I would talk to her all the time. So I called her crying and I was just talking to her just about, because I hadn't, so I'd never at that point at 18, um, I had never told my father that I had been sexually abused and I had never told my mother. I had talked to the, the abuser though. Um, and kind of confronted them. Right. I found out um, when I was 14, I was having some nightmares and I was like, this doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. So I, I just confronted the person, but not in a confrontational way. Like I said, I know what you did and I forgive you because I, I have always been a very smart person. And so I said, you're just going to deny if I accuse. So mm -hmm. let me tell you, I know what you did in saying, I know what you did. He confirmed. He, he told me and he apologized and said, well, I was abused when I was young and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm. So for me, in getting that confirmation, I said, okay, I've always had a relationship with God. I said, um, I said, I forgive you. I have to work on this. Like I have to work to forgive you. And so at the age of 14, I started my own journey of let me forgive this person who hurt me that nobody knows hurt me, right? Wow. Um, and then the following year, he made a very inappropriate comment 
which let me know he wasn't resentful. He wasn't remorseful. Got it. Um, and it crushed everything within me because then that created anger and, you know, resentment and I, it was just a lot. So I held that from 15 until I was, let me see, I think I'm, I was 19 um, when I was in college. And so at 19, watching Oprah, triggered by everything, broke down. Um, my mentor immediately called my father, <laughs> who called my mother and my brother and everybody. It was like, something's wrong with her. You need to get up there. Um, I then wrote my scholarship an email and said I'm dropping out of college because I just I didn't know at that time it was depression I didn't know it was anxiety I just knew it was all too much Um, I had finally communicated the abuse to my father I communicated the abuse to my mother um, and for me I was just like this is too much like I'm mad that this happened to me you know all of this and um I, I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. My scholarship is actually the ones who sent me to therapy. So I had two beautiful black women who were over my scholarship. I went to a, a PWI, so a predominantly white institution. Yes. Which one? Um, In Iowa? Iowa State. Yep. Mm. Iowa State University. Okay. And so um, I told them, like, I'm dropping out. I can't do this. And they called me in and was like, listen, you're absolutely not dropping out. You can go ahead and take up to a year and a half off. Mm -hmm. You just got to do therapy. I was like, okay. So I walked into the therapist's office. I am a freshman in college. She couldn't have been more. I mean, she was probably first year in her master's. So she's not much older than me. Um, Little lady who did not look like me. (laughs) And she's like, I mean, she looked like she had a nice life. I said to her, I sat down and I said, listen, this is a waste of my time. I just want you to know I'm only here because they're telling me I have to be here. I'm going to talk to you about all of my issues and everything is going to be the same when I leave. And she was like, okay. It was the greatest year of my life. Mm. (laughs) She was so awesome. I am blessed that my first experience with therapy was a good one um, because she was so awesome and she helped me to understand the type of therapy that I need as well because Every person is different, right? Some people want to come in and they want to they want to be told stuff. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like you can't tell me anything about my life because you don't know me. I can tell you what I'm experiencing and you can help me to figure it out. Yes. But don't come to me trying to diagnose me or tell me this is X, Y, Z. No, thank you. I'm not it. You know, yes. and she didn't do that. She listened to me. She helped me to identify, you know, the coping skills that I had that were negative, the coping skills that I had that were positive, the things that were triggering me to do either or and getting more healthier, you know, routines and habits in place. When that year was up, I was so mad. I went into that session and I said, so I don't really have anything to talk about. And I know that you're probably going to try to say we don't need to see each other, but like, I feel like I can't not see you. <laughs> she was like, eh, I was thinking that too. You know? So I, I didn't see her. Like I stopped and that was my relationship. Okay. So I don't have that therapist because um, I'm far from college. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what's, what's interesting about what you just said, and it's what I learned um, in my experience in therapy uh, or when I was doing therapy was your willingness. Mm-hmm. Even though what you said was, hey, I'm going to be in here. I'm going to tell you all my problems and I'm going to be the same. The fact that you were willing to share your problem is mm-hmm. such a strong thing. Mm-hmm. 
and a lot of people will just hold that pain inside. They won't breathe. They won't speak like their lips. Yes. So it's really interesting that you have always been subconsciously willing to heal. I knew I didn't know what I needed. I just knew that I didn't want what I had. Mm -hmm. So I didn't know even what healing looked like. Um, you know, coming from the background that I came from, but I knew that what I had in the house, that wasn't it. I knew that, you know, what I had around me with family and friends, that wasn't it. And so I just was willing to do the exact opposite of <laughs> what that was. Nobody in my family that I knew of growing up had ever done therapy. Nobody. Yeah. And I was like, that's why I had to tell her, like, and you know, in the black community, it's not a big thing anyway. We don't talk about therapy. We don't, the church can heal it and pray it away. Right. And the church is amazing. The church has been a huge foundation in my life, but so has my therapist. Yes. Like, I've needed that relationship as well. And so I, I've always been willing to just get more and to get better. And so going back to being a different type of entrepreneur, mm -hmm. that has nothing to do with finances drives my husband nuts i i live in abundance absolutely but it ain't because i'm seeking abundance it's because god has given me abundance because i'm telling you now my goal in life is to be at peace <laughs> my goal in life is for health healing and wholeness and if money falls into that praise god yes well when you speak like that money is money is attracted to you yeah so it's just, it's just a part of it and listening to you your vibration is different you know what i mean like um being so one you're like being a part of like just hearing you talk you're like you know you're healing like it's you really do live what you preach i can feel absolutely it. absolutely yeah I, I, I can feel that i'm i was thinking about so you're in college <clears throat> and you decide to go to so to be a social worker mm -hmm. what what made um what informed your decision to become a social worker so i went to college to be a child psychologist okay i said I want to be what I didn't have. Mm. I wanted to be something for children mm -hmm. that I didn't have. Mm -hmm. I had, I did not have not one safe adult um, in my entire upbringing until I was in like middle school. By then, the abuse had pretty much stopped. So that wasn't an issue. Um, but all of this emotional turmoil that I had, I still didn't have any outlet. I didn't have any space. Nobody stepped in to, to push me to say, I see you're hurting and let me help you. Mm. Let me love you. Let me heal you. And there were teachers who I'm sure tried to, and you know, there's always, there's this, this gray area, this thin line, right? When you're a teacher and, and stepping in and helping a child. So yes. I understand professionally, maybe they seen that I could do more, but they didn't want to cross that boundary. Cross that boundary. Mm -hmm. And I was a very aggressive child. So I would, I would cuss you out in a minute. Like, they didn't want to get hurt. <laughs> like, I want to help you, but I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> so I did have, I, I'm not even going to pretend like I didn't have any educators who were really willing to, but also I didn't have not one educator that looked like me. So I grew up in Iowa. We are 3% of the population. So it was like, for real, I needed to be somebody who kids could look at to see, number one, you can come from this background, you can have trauma and you can heal and you can make it. So that's what I went to college for. However, um, being that I, I wasn't really guided, I, I didn't have focus. When I got to college, I went to a completely different orientation day. I didn't go to my orientation day. <laughs> I went to my friend's orientation day. I was, I was going into psychology. I went to my friends, which was Child and Family Services, and um, 
they were like, you're, you're here on the wrong day. And I said, well, just switch my major. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't care. Like, <laughs> I didn't. I had, I had no adult supervision. Listen, parents, supervise your kids. Like, if I had anything. But listen, you ain't exactly where you were supposed to go. I really did. Yeah. Everything works out the way it's supposed to. So I switched my major. So my major mm-hmm. went to child and family, um, child and family services and um, psychology as a minor. And then psychology later became a major because I stayed there so long. I was like, I done did both of them. I might as well. Um, <laughs> but I didn't want to continue to go to be a psychologist because I felt like um, being in the industry, working with families. I was constantly trying to figure out how I can make the biggest impact with the least amount of contact, right? Therapy wasn't it. Because, especially not child psychology, because I felt like if I sit here and I help this child in my office and I send them back home to live with their abuser, their perpetrator, all that, I'm not helping them. So then I was like, I gotta go social work. I gotta do that. I gotta get into the home. I got my degree. I immediately went, well, before my degree, I mean, excuse me, before I went into the home, I went into a detention center. So I was still working with the kids Mm -hmm. um, and not the parents. And that was, it was very fruitful. I loved it. I loved my boys that I worked at. I worked at an all boys detention center. Um, And I was like, okay, I got to get in your house. Like, this is not working for me because I'm not making the impact because you're here for however many weeks you do great and you go home and then I see you again. This is not going to work. So I went into the house. Going into the house, I immediately, like, I mean, within, I was probably there for like two years, I got burnt out okay. within two years Yeah. Uh, being in the house because it was like parents weren't listening. I was a young black college student with no kids and all I have are books under my belt, you know? And they were like, mm, that's nice. I mean, even my own family. I, I counseled my own family. Yes. <laughs> and they were like, that's nice, but until you have kids. And I, I'm like, no, you didn't. Like, that is not, look, I got experience. Right. Okay. Okay. parenting says. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it was just very disheartening. I ended up getting burnt out and I said, okay, I'm going back to work with the kids. <laughs> like, I'm not working with the parents anymore because y'all are making me mad. So then I went back to working with the kids. Um, I did what is called BHIS. So it was like behavioral, um, behavioral health sciences or something like that. Okay. Um, where I worked, every kid had a goal. I worked with the kids on their goals and I worked, that gave me an opportunity to work with parents though as well okay. on the kids' goals. I did have some real successes in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, I always felt like I was purposed and moved toward healing from childhood trauma, right? That work wasn't necessarily focused on that. Now, a lot of the families, knowing my um, background and where I came from, my supervisor did push me toward a lot of those families. Um, but that wasn't what I was doing. And I was just like, I need to, I need to work with women and children. Like, that's, mm. that's who I'm called to. That's what I need to do. Mm. And so... Um, Prior to leaving my last job, I was with the school district in a social work position. Um, and I said, okay, now's the time. Sooner than later, I jumped without an exit plan. Um, February 2019. February 2019. <laughs> so a year before the pandemic. Um, my husband had been out, so he had left the district because he was doing um, spoken word poetry in the district. And he had a poetry program, which was phenomenal in 21 elementary schools in our wow. town doing a great job um he's a great poet yes ma'am that was actually how our business started was poetry spoken word poetry teaching youth and adults to use it as a coping skill so yes 
completely mm, um, but the but the building blocks are coming mm -hmm. because you've done all this work from a healing perspective a, a theory perspective a psychology perspective and then what really sticks out is you have the opportunity to work with kids and set goals mm -hmm. oftentimes in like therapy you're it's a constant like Mm -hmm. never ending kind yeah. of healing yep. Yep. but when you set the goals to it it's like okay now we're setting deadlines and you're starting to see that that experience was fruitful yep. and with you being a writer words being a spoken um, spoken word mm -hmm. you all meet, well, when did you guys meet? I'm extremely passionate about helping corporate professionals transition into entrepreneurship so I had to share the one thing the number one thing that helped me develop as an entrepreneur and that's the morning meetup I joined the morning meetup specifically for the structure because I'm, I'm leaving corporate America so I'm used to those morning huddles we got ourselves we know what our goals are and we get our day started so I was missing that for two years before I even found the morning meetup now the second thing that I really really benefited from was the revenue revenue generating activity was not necessarily a thing before 2021 now I had my LLC I had my website I had a few clients here and there but the momentum really took off as soon as I got around like-minded individuals and people who really knew the struggles that I was already dealing with that I could get over my fear of sales and communicating my value and putting myself out there on social media the friends that I've developed the mentors and the mentees that I've that I've created relationships with Everything has really created this environment for us to thrive as entrepreneurs. So if you want to develop as an entrepreneur, you're leaving corporate America and you're trying to figure out how do I get my footing in entrepreneurship, then the morning meetup will definitely be a game changer for you. You can learn with us. You can grow with us. And I didn't even mention that we have a book club. Join us in the community. Let's get started today. You will not regret it. <sighs> so I like to say that I married my stalker. Um, <laughs> He, so in 2004, we were both, so this is when I was actually, I had just come back from my break. I'm two years older than him. Okay. So 2004, I had just come back from my break. I had no idea that he had been at the school for a year by then. Cause I, even though I lived in the town, if you're not in school, I'm not going to nothing on campus. Like I'm mm -hmm. working and minding my business. Um, but I've always been a singer. So I had just come back. And I said, okay, I'm going to do this talent show. I signed up for the talent show, um, which I hadn't done in like a year and a half since I had been gone. Um, but I signed up because I love to sing. And I went there that night, I was working. Uh, my employer don't know I was working. Um, <laughs> so, and I worked with kids with special needs at the time. Okay. Um, and it was actually one of my friend's child who I was with that night. So. He came to the show with me. Okay. I sat him in the front seat and I said, you stay right here. They called my name. I got on the stage and I sung. And then I got off the stage and I ran out. I had no idea that Words Taylor was hosting the show. I didn't know him. And I, and, and I was working because I forgot that I'd signed up. So <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't hang around. <laughs> Did you bring the baby with you? I did. Oh, I got you. Not to sing. No, like I brought him with me. I sat him in the chair. Okay. And when you went on stage left. and then I, I got off and we left. Okay, we left together. <laughs> Had a great, great night. Great on time. <laughs> but I just, I wasn't thinking nothing about nobody there. The story he tells and that has been confirmed to be true is while I was singing, um, his best friend at the time was also hosting with him and he hit him and said, who is that? And he was like, I don't know. I didn't know either one of them because I hadn't been there. And he said, he looked at him and he said, that's my wife. And he was like, oh, all right. You know, <laughs> like whatever. I have no idea. This happens in February. 
Fast forward to August of 2004. I'm walking across campus. I see a girl that I know walking with a guy. You know when it's in like the common area, mm-hmm. kind of across the yard. I say, hey girl, yelling. She said, hey. Um, and I had met her, you know, before I went on my sabbatical. So um, then I hear this yell back from the guy and says, that's all you see? I'm sorry, sir, I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who you are. Like, I said, uh, hey, <laughs> and kept moving. Um, once again, when you are in a place where there's not a lot of y'all anyway, everybody should know everybody. Sure. But I also just got back. Yes. So fast forward like 30 minutes. I'm standing outside on campus with some people that I knew. I see him walking up. I say to everybody who was there, hey, who is this guy walking up? Who is he? And um, at that time, he words was not invented yet. And he might kill me for saying what it is. But his real name is Robert. So he go, they go, oh, that's Big Rob. Big Rob, that's Big Rob. I said, okay. So he walks up and I said, hey Rob. And he goes, uh, j- 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 cause he don't know my name. Mm. Like, you know how it is. He didn't know me. Um, and so that was in August. By the end of the month, once school started, the way that God works, I signed up for an eight o'clock class. Okay. And I, you don't do that in college. Like, I don't do that in college. I was barely waking up. <laughs> I went to the professor first day to get my class switched. While I am standing in line, I hear, you're not trying to leave me in here, are you? And I turn around and I was like, huh? And he, I say, yeah, I can't do eight o'clock. And he's like, well, you should give me your number and we can keep each other like accountable. accountable. Oh, he good, girl. That was game <laughs> I was so naive. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do <laughs> I for real did not even recognize. Even my friends was like, do he like you? And I was like, oh, girl, he's just nice. Like, he's a really good friend. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> we were engaged by mm. July of 2005. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. Now, you're a, a senior or junior? And he's I was a junior. And he's a freshman. He was a sophomore. He's a sophomore. Yep. And he had been there a year while you were out. He had. He had been there a year while I was out. Wow. And so he knew what he wanted. Yes. Well, kind of. <laughs> we got married five years later. <laughs> so, I mean, I think ultimately, yes, he knew what he wanted. But what he later told me was that, I mean, he was young. When I met him, um, he had just turned 20 and I was 22. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, what he said is he's like i did know what i wanted but i also knew that i couldn't lose you he said but i had to grow up Mm -hmm. right so he said i just figured if i ask you to marry me you can't go nowhere while i have this growing up process and i'm like you that ain't fair (laughs) was he right though (laughs) and that's why when you're like you know we were moving emotionally and all that stuff girl that's why all them people that look at us now and they're like look at god Mm. (laughs) look at god well, that's one that works out from an emotional perspective, yes, right? Between yes. the words and the thoughts. So when we fast forward back to the day when you leave, well, actually, um, I was curious about uh, it, the thought just came and it was your healing. Mm-hmm. It was your healing and your relationship with men, mm-hmm. right? Because when, so when one time um, Words was talking about like he... When he said it was time for us to go, he was like, "Bay, like we, I'm gonna need that. I'm gonna need that 401k, right?" Mm-hmm. And for me, that speaks. Okay, this woman trusts her man, right? 
But as women, we have to go through our own healing process Absolutely. in order to get to a place where we can trust our men. Absolutely. And as we were talking about your healing process and your relationship with men and you writing, I'm just wondering what kind of work did you do to get to a place where you can trust him? Absolutely. So um, right before we got married, um, so in that five years, we were together and broken up a bunch of times. Okay. Um, the last time that we got broken up, I was angry. I was angry at him. I was angry at God because I felt like up to that point, God had shown me that he was supposed to be my husband. I felt like I had confirmation um, through conversations, through prayers, like God has shown me, no, this is, this is your future. But it wasn't looking the way that I desired it to look, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't what I thought it should be. And so I was mad. I had said enough is enough. Um, and so I broke up with him. And I was like, you go on about your way. I said a lot of unpleasant things. And I said a lot of unpleasant things to God. Like, I was mad at him too, right? The silliness. Like, he knows me. So, <laughs> so I, I did all of that. And then um, at that time, we in, while in college, we would do a 40-day uh, fast every year from like a couple days after Christmas until my birthday, which is early February. And this particular year, I say to God, I'm doing this fast, but I just want you to know it ain't got nothing to do with you. <laughs> That's how we talk when we homies. Just to let you know. I say, I'm doing this because this is what I do. And it has nothing to do with you. <laughs> and I'm sure he was just looking like, oh, my daughter. So I started it. By the end of the first week, I was on my face and I was crying and just really like getting in touch and in tune with God. Um, and in that, what I heard was that actually was what started my healing process, because what I heard was like, one, I did confirm for you that he's supposed to be your husband, but he still has free choice. And so if he chooses not to follow me, I need you to be OK with not going with him. And then I was like, well, why do you say that? <laughs> you know, I'm looking at God like, why didn't you clarify that in the beginning? I would have been, you know, more relaxed. <laughs> um, but and then it just he further went into like but there's some things that you have to do like there's some healing that has to happen for you to make you the person who i need you to be and it was at that time i took on a note card and i wrote out this is my first time that i have ever and it's funny because now i can look at it and say oh these were negative core thoughts negative core beliefs i didn't know none of that then mm. i wrote out every negative thing that i believed about myself on this card but I wrote the opposite. So I said, oh, I still got the card to this day at home. It says something like you are a brilliant, beautiful black woman. Um, any man that comes into relationship with you is lucky to have you. You are blessed. You are a blessing. Like I went through all of that. I wrote it on about 10 cards mm -hmm. and then I posted it on every space that I would have to look at. So I put it on my mirror. I put it on my refrigerator. I put it on my doors. I went out. I had it in my car on the dashboard. Like I had it everywhere. Mm. Um, I had it on my dresser. Like in any time I seen it, I had to say it out loud. Okay. That was my goal. That was the first thing. I felt super silly doing it at first. And eventually it became who I am. Right. So I did that. I started to um, take myself out on dates. I started to ask myself, like, what do you like? what because there were a lot of things like i had gotten lost in um doing things for other people yeah. like i didn't even realize what i wanted mm -hmm. who i liked where i what i wanted to be what was my favorite food like you know and so i just i went on this this self-healing self-love journey and really trying to figure me out 
words came back in this process and in him coming back he got a rude awakening because he's thinking he's coming back to the same woman and I'm like no I'll meet you at church no I'll see you later and we had gone to church we went to church before but he so he was like okay but he didn't know like my Friday nights were now spent at church so were my Saturday nights like (laughs) I'm I'm in prayer I'm in choir I'm in I'm hanging out with God. Yes. And so um, once he seen that I was for real, that was a catalyst to changing his life. Okay. Getting him on board and focused mm. with God. And that just, it, it not only, like, I know because I stepped into the role that God needed me to, mm. that is why Words Taylor is who he is today. That is why Melody Taylor is who she is today and why our children and our legacy is what it is. I know that had I not listened and really wholeheartedly like trusted God that it wouldn't happen. And so that this to answer the question of like how did I get to the point to trust him? It the I really and stand on the premise of, you know, you can't trust man. I love my husband to death, but my husband is still a man mm-hmm. and he is still flawed like I am and we will fail every time if we put our trust in the person, right? Mm-hmm. But I put my trust in God. I put my trust in God and God promised me that he would never allow me to be hurt the way that I was hurt before. And so because of that, like, I'm good, you know, like I, I never have to worry. So when my husband comes and he comes with a lot of crazy ideas <laughs> <laughs> and when he comes with a crazy idea, first of all, I trust and believe that he follows God, that he serves God. Um, we pray together. I know his walk. I know his relationship. Right. So when he comes, I'm like, OK, did you you got this from God? Like, you OK, that's number one. That's cool. I trust God. You go do you. God has never failed me. Like there has never been a time that I can think of in my life where um, I trusted God for something and it didn't happen. Yeah. There was a time early in our marriage where, so um, right when we got married that year, we didn't know it, but we were into well over into the six figures. We didn't know it. Now we worked with another company at that time, but we were just spending, you know how you do. We went to go do our taxes and he's like, yeah, y'all made a hundred something for the year. And we were like, who? And he was like, yeah, I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty awesome. Fast forward one year, we go back um, and he does our taxes and he says, OK, well, you made 30,000. It's the same CPA. And we're like, oh, OK, that was one person who uh, how much did Where's the other one make? Mm-hmm. And he says, no, that was together because the company had gone under that we worked for. But this is when I knew, like, God will never fail me. We didn't feel not one piece of it. Mm. On 30,000, we lived in abundance and felt just like we did when we had over the 100,000. Wow. And it wasn't until we did taxes that we looked back at each mm-hmm. other and we're like, mm-hmm. what the heck? Got, and it was at that time I asked my husband, I kid you not, I tell my husband all the time, I said it was at that time that I realized that God is my provider and not these jobs. I could care less about the jobs because at the end of the day, I don't know, that other 70000 wasn't there, but all of the bills were not only paid, but I still had allowance. We were still moving and living like nothing had, you know, nothing had happened. And so that was it. Like, God has not ever. He will never. And so trust him. I'll follow my husband anywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. What you said to me just then well, from the beginning you don't put your trust in man. You put your trust in God. Absolutely. And I think what also that trickles down to is a trust in self. Mm-hmm. So I think ultimately the healing that you did 
was the work that you needed to get to get clear with the connection that you yes. had with him. Yes. And then everything else just kind of worked itself out through that trust. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. Trust in self is, is major. Mm. You know, God, you have wisdom, yeah. the Holy Spirit within you. Mm -hmm. You just got to listen. You trust and believe like he will not fail you. Mm -mm. I believe it. So that brings me to exit strategies because mm -hmm. you guys move on faith. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of times with my clients, I, we work through exit strategies. Right? I'm super logical. So it just it's a, uh -huh. it's a strength. Right. <laughs> we can talk through the financials. We can go through the health. Like, but truth be told, I left with I had a plan to leave, but mm -hmm. I didn't have a plan to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Like I just knew I wanted to leave. And like you said, I wanted to create the most impact. So for you guys, where does the, the logic come in? Did you guys like plan an exit or does it, is it, was it as it sounds, which is like, okay, we decide we're going to hop out of here and we'll be fine. It was as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> when I say I trust and support my husband's crazy often, he trusts and supports mine too. So he, um, he was at a corporate job that he hated. Some friends of ours had a poetry program that they had just started in the high schools in our town and they wanted to start in the elementary schools. So they reached out to him because he was already a poet. That's how we knew them. Um, and they were like, we want you to do the youth program, the, the um, elementary school. And my husband was like, huh, I can't do this without my wife. So he brings me with him. So I'm part time with him doing that. And I'm full time in the district. He was full time with the school district doing that. He did that for three years and then he told them, he said, hey, I got to go. Like, I'm just feeling like I need to go all in on me. And by this point, we had transitioned from spoken word poetry to webinars and funnels okay. and building online businesses and that sort of deal. Ultimately, we've always wanted to help people become self-sufficient and impact their their well-being right mm -hmm. so we were doing that through spoken word poetry but he's like man i want to teach people how to be self-sufficient like poetry you could write a poem all day long but you could still be hurting and you know so that's what took him out of the poetry world and into more like online marketing um and so he said babe you know i'm thinking about leaving um what are you what are you thinking and i said well i make the bulk of the money anyway <laughs> at that time um i said i make the bulk of money go ahead like i got the insurance through the district we'll be good at that point we had one no at that point we had two kids so i was like we'll be good and i'll stay at my job for like another year to two years we'll be good he left in august of 2018 okay by december of 2018 i was saying to him I don't think I'm going to make it. Now, the background um, that a lot of people don't know is that, so in the job that I was working, I was working in the school, like I said, as a social worker. Um, in the building, I had just been moved to a new building. And in the building that I worked in, the person who sexually assaulted me as a child, his children mm. went to this school. Mm. I found out really early on. <clears throat> um, but he proceeded to try to come in contact with me. He had started like coming through the building. He cornered me in the, the corner, trying to talk to me and just all this different stuff. So when you talk about being triggered, it was on a whole nother level. And so I had no support from the school district. There was no, no, no emergency plan, no 
transferring. There was nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I had no support whatsoever. And so ultimately, when December came around, it was so bad that like I was having panic attacks before I was going in the building. Okay. I'm sitting in my car for 45 minutes to an hour before even walking in the building. So now the, the building is mad at me because they think I've been late. Nah, but I've been here. I was just sitting right here trying to breathe mm -hmm. and trying to get my life together. Um, you know, and I reported it to my supervisors. Like I did all what I could do, right? And so December came, we went on a cruise um, and we had already had that plan. And I told him on the cruise, I said, I don't think I'm gonna make it. And he was like, okay, well, can you do spring break? And I was like, okay, I'll try. I mean, I'm in paradise on a cruise and I'm depressed mm -hmm. and anxious on a cruise. Yeah. Um, and so I said, okay, yeah, I'll try spring break. We come back from the cruise during Christmas break. I go back to the building. I was there two days and I packed up my office and I came home and I had boxes in the garage. And at this point he had, he was barely making money um doing his own thing mm -hmm. and so i put my boxes in the garage he says what what are you doing i said i'm done he's like what does that mean <laughs> and i said well mentally i'm done i'll go back tomorrow like i'll be there physically i just need you to know i'm not there like mm -hmm. i'm done mm -hmm. So then, <laughs> then the question comes up, you know, for my coworkers, like, we noticed that your office is cleared out. Oh, you know, I'm just remodeling. You know? <laughs> I did all of that. <laughs> and so finally, I said enough is enough. Like, it just continued in January. Um, I tried to take a leave of absence. And then in taking a leave of absence, the district was just very difficult. You know, that's when I was like, I'm not working for nobody else. I can't do this. Yeah. You are controlling. Not only are you controlling my time, but you're trying to control like my sanity. Like I'm telling you that I am not OK and I am not safe in this space and I need time to figure this out. And you're not even willing to help me with that. I put in my two week notice and I was like, I'm out. This was because when it got to that point um, in February, he was like, babe, just do it. Mm -hmm. We'll work it out. Yeah. And so I said, okay. I put in my two week notice. I left. Um, when I left, he was at that time, um, like I said, making minimal money. He was working doing motivational speaking with uh, some online platforms. Um, and I was like, God, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how you're going to do this. So I picked up some, he didn't tell me to pick up any jobs, but I did. I picked up. Um, well, I picked up one part-time job writing, uh, resumes because I told you I could write like, and I'm good. So I did resumes, which I'm good at and I can do them, but it was the worst experience ever. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this. This is dumb. <laughs> and so, um, your relationship with the jobs have changed. It's basically like you're funneling people in the direction. Right. You just look. Right. And so um, I did that. I also, I put in an application to drive Uber. My husband was like, you better sit down somewhere without <laughs> doing that. And then um, I did to do like some online English training for people in other countries. Didn't go through that, that either. And so I was sitting there like, Lord, what are we going to do? What am I going to do? Um, and so we took our last, at that time we had just met um, E.T., E.T., the hip hop preacher, um, my husband, he always goes into the story. He had been talking to him for, you know, over probably a year by that time um, through the phone. But we actually went to Chicago and met him. 
and he was coming out with the program um, Extreme Execution. And that's when um, they were teaching about the disc. And so first of all, that was a breakthrough moment for me um, in my even journey to call myself an entrepreneur, because I don't think I did before that. And mm. I don't think, you know, when I left, I, I didn't have this vision to be an entrepreneur. I thought I'd probably go get another job somewhere, you mm -hmm. know, um, but I just knew I just needed space. I need like the 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 trauma was too much at that time. Um, but so we, we did the disc. I'm at this training. I'm crying. Now I had done the disc a year before that and didn't even have with my job and okay. didn't even have the, the depth of learning right. that I had in that one moment. Mm -hmm. I'm crying like God made me perfect just the way I am. Like, praise God. I'm telling you, my husband has this revelation and just, it was amazing. We leave there we go up there. We barely got 10 cents to our name. We leave there. E.T. says, I am starting extreme execution and I want to certify people to be able to teach and to utilize the disc in their businesses. And we're like, OK, how much it costs? He said a thousand dollars. We took our last thousand dollars. We had no money whatsoever. Last thousand dollars and invested it into that program. Um, and God has continued just to to pour out. So to ask, like, did we have a plan? No, nope, not for real. I don't recommend that for a lot of people. <laughs> but um, I think you have to move according to according to how you're being called to move. I appreciate and like the plans. I'm a high C, so I plan too, but not in this case. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. Well, see, I'm a high. I, well, I'm I, I'm a high I. We talked about this. So I do the planning for the high seas, mm -hmm. right? I do the planning because one, I think we have to have a certain spiritual connection mm -hmm. to truly do that. I can never advise someone to take a leap of faith. Right. 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 Only he can advise you right. to take a leap of faith. Right. And then the second part is my personality. For those eyes out there who just be leaping just because they leap, <laughs> they don't mean my whole <laughs> It's one you had you you had you both heard your own calling. Mm -hmm. You both kind of were on your own journey. You both were doing things that you needed to do separately. You both were doing your healing, right? Mm -hmm. And then you made the investment. Yeah. So honestly and truly, like it all makes sense. And if the plan, if someone were to hear specifically what you did, I hope they hear the healing first. Yes. Yes. That's my entire life. Yes. Like please hear that. If you don't hear nothing else. Here, like you want in your healing, you will be protected with everything else. Like, just seek healing, yes, seek wholeness and health, and everything else prayerfully will fall. Because even in that space, like, I feel like you you will hear the directions that you're supposed to go. Yes, the jobs you're supposed to take, the relationships you're supposed to have. Like, as long as you're focused on healing, yes. Like what, what is pouring into me? What is, what is giving me more? If it's pouring into me, if it's healing me, if it's making me whole, that's where I want to be. If mm -hmm. it's giving me like peace and positivity, that's where I want to be. Chaos, negativity. No, no, ma'am. Yeah. I'm going to move around. Like I'm not going to stay in this environment too long because it's not, it's not what's meant for me. No. It's not what's going to happen. And believe it or not. So Dream Builder Nation started before, um, we left before even he left. He started Dream Builder Nation in 2017. That's what we were actually just talking today. Um, but it was different than what it is today. It was um, <clears throat> a small Facebook group. But with 2019, after we both have left, um, 
after we both, you know, meet ET, we go through this training. We have our first launch with our program, our company, in, or excuse me, not with our program, but with our first client in August of 2019. And then our second client just happened to be ET. Um, it also in the, the fall of 2019, mm. we have only been like a for real up and going funnels launch company for two years, 19, 20, 21. Yeah. We just hit two years. That's awesome. And God, mm. like this is, I'm telling you, God, he always lets you know where he is. Like the people look at us and they're like, y'all only been going for two Absolutely. And let me tell you the crazy that it has been. So we need all, everything up in here that we need. <laughs> like come with the ideas, the systems. Because listen, God took two people who were not really qualified for this and said, go ahead. <laughs> listen, <yes. laughs> these are my people. Go ahead. Yes. And so, I mean, we, we are in faith, walking, moving. And that is how we are just in abundance spiritually in abundance with peace in abundance financially like it's God that's, that's all amazing I can see it it's all over so I'm, I'm excited I'm happy to be a part of the dream builder nation and just being in the energy with you guys it really does feel cool like not a lot of communities feel like family but when I met well when I first signed into the um, dream builder nation I explained what my dream is mm -hmm. and what kind of community I want to create so seeing genuine communities mm -hmm. and coaches who really care and the family aspect of things. Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll meet your kids at some point, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, you hear them on every call. Yes. <laughs> so, so there, it's, it's only bound to happen. <laughs> so now <clears throat> that you are, you're in, you're kind of more so in a comfortable position as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you're developing your program as a transformational coach. Mm -hmm. How do you envision or how have you been um, kind of applying all of the things that you've learned professionally and experientially into a program to help other people do exactly what you do internally? Yes. So, I mean, of course, I have the blog. Um, and so for me, the blog, while, yes, it's still my healing tool, it's also just a way for me to to get the, the word out and the vision out with regard to healing is normal. Everybody does it. Let's do it together. Um, on top of that, I want to do a self-care box. Um, and so I have a coach <laughs> that uh, she I drive her nuts, but <laughs> she and I. <laughs> She and I are really working together to establish, you know, the launch of the blog and the self-care box and all those types of things. So the goal as of right now is to launch the blog in February of 2022. Yes, um, that is the goal. We'll pray with Lord willing. But then I just see so much more from that. I mean, I see everything i mean even going into future so yes i talk about the blog i talk about um the self-care box i mean there will be courses and things like that but i also see stuff like transitional housing for women and children like i see a space that that helps empower people to be more than what the world has told them that they were yes. or what they could be mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is that fear and anger, while those were the only two emotions that I really like knew growing up, they kept me from so much in my life. They protected me from so much in my life as well. Mm -hmm. And so I am forever grateful to them because they got me to be me today, 39, right? 
but they also kept me from so much. There were so many things that I was supposed to do. There were so many spaces that I was supposed to go into. And I'm not saying it as though um, I'm like remorseful about it because I'm still going and I'm still doing, like I'm not done. But it's like, man, had I done that at 20, then you probably look a little different today. But then again, like God has me where he needs me. So, Absolutely. yeah. Yeah. And to see everything you guys are creating right now, you said it a minute ago, you had to become who you needed to be so that words could become who he needed to be so that y'all can create what you're creating right now. And you yeah. have so much gas in the tank. It's only begun. Yes. Them high eyes, you know, they always got thoughts. Always got <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Right, girl. And um, to bring in strengths, I'm so I'm an activator, so like I'm always on some. Let's do it now. Let's do it now. I got the idea. Let's execute. I don't care about these five, ten month plans. Yes. Had the idea. We're gonna execute. And so you guys are creating the perfect team mm -hmm. to just do that and execute. I'm really excited to see you Thank transform you. as a coach. And perhaps this episode will launch as soon as everything is ready, so y'all will be yes. able to click every link below. Check out all the blogs. Check out your coaching program yes. so that they can work with you yes yes that I can't I can wait but I can't wait you know <laughs> I can wait because I'm low-key I like to be behind the scenes like uh, my husband will be like hey babe um I'm running late for the call today could you start it with the dream builders for me no I can't sir I won't be doing that set some boundaries gonna do i'm gonna sit here i'm not about to give them your energy like i'm not doing none of that and he'll just laugh and so i'll make jokes sometimes like he'll be talking and i'm like baby you want me to start to call for you you want me to <laughs> like come on that's why that was a, the inside joke in starting at the the workshop this weekend i started right um. i'm like mm, yeah okay i can do the icebreakers let's go <laughs> Let's do it. Hey, yeah. you get it where you fit in. Yes, yes. But, you know, he's always, that's one thing about him is he sees greatness in people and he always pushes. Yeah. He's always pushing to get it out of people, even when you don't see it. Mm. And so that, I mean, that's the great thing. When we, when we met, like I said, I was a singer. He was a poet. But somehow he got me on stage with him doing poetry. So we're doing spoken word. I did not do spoken word poetry. I wrote poetry, but I was not performing. And he brought it out, brought it out pushed. Yes. And I mean, even to this day, I constantly get requests to do poetry. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't do poems no more. <laughs> you see, you let that light. So you so we just going to sit here and let the light just not shine. Listen, you know what it is? God has transformed it to, to shine in another space. Okay. And to do, like, I'm not gone. I'm just like, mm, poetry no more that wasn't me in the first place that was my husband now let me tell y'all like you want a poem let me send you my husband or the whole plethora of other poets that i know now i can get i can get you a female who you need yeah but it's like mm, i don't want to get him to do that no i more. got you that was only a part of the journey it was yeah it was a space it was a season i love it well i have really enjoyed yes. listening <laughs> to the journey we've been buckled up going in and out there's so much that we could still talk about um, and we're going to have to talk about it offline and I look forward to getting to know you from so many different aspects um, because the making of you just makes sense and even with us both being social workers who um, are breaking outside of the mold mm -hmm. of what social workers are supposed mm -hmm. to be mm -hmm. that's what I'm really looking forward to and I didn't ha I had no clue that that, that was going to happen before you sat down really yeah no I'm like oh 
yeah like you get it yes I mean that was my key with even starting this like I knew I wanted I didn't want to bring stuffy um just like policy I didn't want to bring like this is what you need to do no like everything I looked up with regard to healing wholeness health and wellness all of it was it, it's from a medical perspective it's not reachable it's not attainable like it seems like it's somebody's doctor talking to you no I'm a normal person mm -hmm. I have normal life I go through normal things but guess what I still have to parent my kids I still am married I still got to work I still got to do all these things while on the healing journey and it's okay yeah. it's normal it's normal like that that's what I wanted and that's what I needed and that's definitely unconventional there are not many people who are doing it so mm -mm. I'm in my lane let's go well so before we get out of here I, I have to close out with you um, helping us understand I really want to speak to the social workers for mm -hmm. some reason like um, I'm off I'm in, I'm in school right now mm -hmm. so I'm in my last uh, year and I'm often talking about entrepreneurship and you know about you know we our values in social work against capitalism and mm -hmm. understanding all these things i would love for you to close us out with a word of wisdom to help us understand how um, entrepreneurship can help us create that impact in a way that we truly envision from a social work perspective um in a way that we just that a lot of us just haven't seen yet absolutely i think that so one one thing my perspective is a little different because i come from a predominantly white um town and, and state right um, but I think it can still apply to all. And that is, you know, a lot of times we create policies, we create systems, we create things for people um, to help people, but we don't really know those people. And I think that the best thing you can do in social work is actually get like in the mud with your people like get con and I think also as a black person as well because my experience may not be your experience you know and so just because because that's another thing that happens when you're in a, a space where nobody else looks like you is well now you speak for all the black people no I don't no I don't and I too still need to connect with them just like you do but once I like and in, instead of establishing like systems and things for them to help them I sat down with them and said, listen, this is what I'm seeing. What do we need? Like, what, what is it that can help increase the, the health and wholeness and empowerment in this space? Mm -hmm. And so from having those conversations, then you can take that as an entrepreneur and start establishing those systems, start mm -hmm. establishing those programs, the things that the, the community is actually asking for versus something to make you look good mm -hmm. or something to make you, you know, make an impact and now I get the Nobel Prize. Well. I mean, are you getting the prize because you help the people? Or are you getting the prize just so you can look good? Like, yeah. like do what you can do mm. um, for people, but, but do what they need, not what you want. Like, it's not about you. I think that's the thing is, as, that, as a social worker, that was one of the things that I just really prided myself on is letting my, like, who I am sit on the back burner and really going into my homes and being like, okay, this is a no judgment zone. Like, let's have some real conversations. Mm. And so, you know, my coworkers would laugh at me because I would talk, and of course I have boundaries, but I'm saying like, I would talk to my clients and I'm like, hey, so-and-so, like, what's going on? And oh no, this is this, this, no, that's not the case. Like, I just seen you, like I know. So let's, let's be real with one another. And then look at me like, what? Let's be real. No, let's be real. Mm -hmm. Like, come on, because it does not help me at all if I just allow you to lie to me. Right. 
So I'd much rather you not tell me. So let's just figure this out. Like, let's, <laughs> let's get through this. And that only comes from relationship. That only comes from getting down in the mud with them, having those heart to hearts and really trying to figure out how can I get to the root of the problem? Mm. That's it. And then establish those systems. As an entrepreneur, like we have freedom. Like we can establish those systems to help impact the world. Entrepreneurs are the ones who are going to move the world. Mm. Say that. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. I can't thank you enough for being willing to go through your journey and heal. Um, I can't thank you enough for listening to like what God told you when you met words and even before you met words. And I can't thank you enough for just taking the heat, taking the call, <laughs> becoming the coach that you need to be and developing and launching that blog. Yes. <laughs> yes. Because you have so much power to share with us. I can feel it. So thank you so much again for joining. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. Thank you for watching and thank you so much for listening. And if there's someone out there who connects with you, they want to work with you or they want to just stay connected to your journey, how can they contact you? So I'm on Instagram at Miss Melody Taylor. Um, I am on Facebook as Miss Melody Taylor. And then the blog, lifewithmelody.com. It is up. I mean, you'll see coming soon right now. But, you know, by the time this launches, it might be up. up. So you can go, go check that out too. Yes. Well, you know what to do. Click the links below. Do all the things. I will see you guys next week. But again, thank you all so much. This was a treat, right? Until next time, peace out. Bye. <laughs> this was good. <laughs>